Tillamook Chocolate Collection Ice Cream is a total chocolate game changer. We start with unbelievably creamy dark chocolate ice cream. Then we add different chocolate treats, like chocolate cookies, chocolate cake, or chocolate brownies to make four decadent chocolate flavors. Because sometimes the thing that pairs best with chocolate <laughs> is more chocolate. Tillamook Chocolate Collection Ice Cream. Extraordinary Dairy. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Why, hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of <laughs> Okay, Next NPR. Try. I'm All your right. calm and collected host, Aaron Blaird, and with me as always, Sonia Reed. How are you, Sonia? Well, hey, everybody. <laughs> I've had 16 bananas. Is that me? Jesus Christ. Hey, Jen, can you do me a favor and pull this knife out of my back? <laughs> uh, yes, well, uh, how are you, Sonia? What's happening? You know, I'm doing all right. I'm doing okay. Uh, I'm a little taken aback at my um, my impression. But I've been told uh, Jen may or may not have a little question for the room. Yes, I have a question that I was thinking about because the other day I was playing Uncharted 2 and I was at a level. It's been like a few days. I haven't been able to get past this level. And I wanted to ask you guys because I wasn't sure like if there even is gaming protocol or whatever. At what point do you go to a game guide or do uh, you look up the walkthrough online? Because question. I feel so guilty about it. But at the same time, I was about to throw my controller out the window. Oh, my gosh. Do you have a strategy for this? Great question. <sighs> That's a good question. I really I wonder how quickly I will get to that. The first thing I think of again is like. Outlast or Amnesia or something, especially a game that's supposed to be so intense and mm -hmm. so scary. And then you have something that just takes you out of it. And you're just like, God, just get me past this part, please. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's shortly before the controller goes in the wall. You hit that limit. Like you. Oh, yeah. I felt guilty looking it up. But at the same time, I had no choice. I will, I'll push myself as in into near tears because I, I, I do feel a little bit of pride. I do feel a little too proud to look something up and I'm like, no, I got it. It's a game. I got it. It's fine. They made it so you can figure it out. I'll get past it. And then I can't. So it takes you having a mental breakdown yes. before you reach that. Okay. A thousand percent. I will, I will break down uh, and then Google it. All right. Good strategy. Break down, then Google. Blay, how about you? <laughs> I don't do it. <gasps> Ever? Ever? I never look. I never, I could tell you probably I will quit playing the game before I will. <gasps> and by the way, not an exaggeration. That is a hundred percent true. I think in my life, I have probably looked, th looked up a game maybe three times. Do you remember any of them or what? Only, only one can I remember. Oh, only gosh. one can I remember. And that's the witness. The witness I just wasn't smart enough to do it. And I just, I literally quit playing. I quit playing. And <gasps> I, for, and for four or five months, and by the way, I was obsessed with The Witness. There was a point in The Witness, and if you've played this game, it's in the garden, you're walking around and you're trying to figure out what, how to walk around these hedges in what order. And I just couldn't figure it out. Two and a half weeks, and this is real, <gasps> Every night I would come home from work and play until I would go to bed. Every night for two and a half weeks. My and God. finally I figured it out. And it's one of the greatest moments of my life. I mean, that's I live a sad life, but I never looked it up. That's insane, but totally understandable because if you if you can get to a point before you quit that you finally do push through and you do figure it out, it is the sweetest nectar. 
It is so satisfying. Yeah. And to that point, too, Bioshock 2, I stopped playing, and I just went back to it recently and pushed through and just beat it uh, very recently. And so, and it was very sweet. Yes. I do find that where sometimes if you step away and then you come back and then you beat it on the first try, and Mm -hmm. I feel like it has to do with something that I read about doing crossword puzzles, which Mm. I found so fascinating was if you're doing a crossword puzzle and you're stuck on it, you're like on a clue and you step away for like the whole day and then revisit it at night, you don't realize it, but your brain is still subconsciously working it out without you realizing it. And then when you come back to it, it's like, oh, this is what it was because your brain is still working. And I feel like maybe that's the same. So for, so for five months, Blay put it down in the, in the back of his head for five constant months. It was chewing on that one level. But I kind of feel like if I'm not good enough to do it, I'm just not good enough to beat it. And that's kind of it. And Jen, I'll say to your point too, it's, there's two things I think when it comes to games, there's knowledge and there's ability. And knowledge is what's this puzzle? I can't figure this out. And the other one is ability. And sometimes, you know, Doom is a good example. I just never beat Doom Eternal. I'm just wasn't good enough to do it. And I'm never going to be, and that's okay. Well, you know, if it's a story or something, I feel like you deserve it. Everyone deserves to have the experience in the story. But then when it comes to something like Dark Souls, you're like, okay, you kind of, you know what you're in for, you know? I agree. But also it's like that thing of, and I don't, by the way, can I also say, I don't look down on people who look, who use game guides. I, I don't have any skin in the game when it comes to that. Just for me personally, I don't, and you know what, now that we're talking about it, I don't know why that is. I just don't look things up. I just quit. I, I don't know why. Oh, my instant, my instant is, oh, I just need to get this over with. I need, I need to look it up. But then I'm like, no, you got this. You can figure this out, girl. And then I will have a breakdown trying to do it. And then I'm like, you know what? Not worth it. It's not worth my energy right now. I just need to go. I need to get past this. There we go. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. Breakdown in know. Google. Jen, so with uh, Uncharted 2, did you look it up? I did. And? And you got past that part? And I got past it. And there was a bit of guilt. That's why I needed to bring it up and talk it out. Because I'm like, I should have just... Because then also, sometimes when you look it up, the answer is obvious. And then you're like, well, I feel dumb now that I couldn't figure that out. But I couldn't quit a game. That's the Mm -hmm. thing. I need the closure. Me too. So if this helps me to get that closure, perfect. I feel that. I'll say too, especially games like Uncharted, where there's a story. I think part of it is, again completing the story means more than the guilt or shame of looking at. Yeah, well, totally, absolutely. And like, that was me for the witness. Like, I was like, I want to know the end of this. That means more to me than like proving to myself. Right. That whatever, so yeah, that's true. Yeah, I feel that. Good question. Um, Great question, that was great. Been eating Uh, at me, so thanks for uh, the intel. (laughs) I'm glad you could air it. (laughs) Thanks. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and of course, let us know out there if you guys look stuff up or not or what the what your level of shame, shame is by hitting us up at GGNT on Twitter using hashtag GGNT. Our guest today is a talented voice actor who has voiced such iconic characters as Reinhardt and Overwatch, Dr. Samuel Hayden in Doom and Doom Eternal. Oh, that drove me crazy. Revenant in Apex Legends and Emperor Callus in Destiny 2, just to name a couple of his iconic roles. You can hear him voice Eshram in the upcoming Halo Infinite. Oh, baby, I can't wait for that game. Here is our interview with the one and only Darren DePaul. This meeting is being recorded. <laughs> this meeting is being recorded. Whoa. We are now Whoa. recording this <laughs> meeting. I love it. All right, we're wasting good stuff here. <laughs> I know. Let's go, man. We're, we're burning calories. We got to. The wonderful, the amazing, Darren DePaul, it is so lovely to see you again. Hi. It is. Uh, it has been a while since we were able to connect and meet on uh, the wonderful game engine with the lovely Erica Ishii. It's been a couple of years, and it's unbelievable to see everything that you've been involved with before, since, now, everything since we've been living in our little box internet squares. You've been busy. Yeah, I'm very lucky. I'm. I've been very, very lucky. You know, and it's years of doing theater in New York and being like a utility guy Yeah. that, you know, either in a musical, in the ensemble, it's like, well, you'll do everything. 
we don't get what you do because you're you're versatile. So you'll do everything or you'll understudy. <laughs> and yeah. you kind of go, oh, I guess that's my life. And then you, I tried out here eight years ago and they're going, oh, we dig that. That's what we need is someone who is on, you know, kind of unrecognizable sometimes. You know what? It's it's so great you say that because I, I do think there is this misconception about in entertainment and that comes from I need to be the Brad Pitt shooting star and all this other stuff. And I think, you know, one thing I've learned at Conan is doing a million things, like you're saying, it's like seeing every facet of the industry makes you better at every facet. Yeah. And you get to appreciate every aspect because we are part of a team. I mean, when you think about, mm -hmm. especially for games, doing yeah. the voices, it's yes. like I'm just a little bit helping them to realize the vision of their project. Absolutely. Because, you know, I, you know, I'm not doing this by myself. It's like the look of the character is going to inform everything. Yes. Uh, um, the music is going to inform everything. Yes. And, and even though you might be the, the top of the iceberg above the water, there is, right, composers, you know, yeah. um, modelers, all these people that are pushing that all up and pushing you up. Yeah, 100%. And when I get to meet them, I just totally geek out. It's like, you know, thank you. Thank you for your work. It's so great. Because <laughs> I, I think there was, I, I met one of the, animators for Reinhardt, and she's like, you know, I use your nose. That was it. <gasps> wow. She was like, yeah, you're, you're, I used your nose on that. Because <sighs> they'll, you know, they'll film for reference sometimes. One of my favorite uh, videos that I came across was you at a Comic-Con, and it was you, Reinhardt, Reinhardt, and Reinhardt <laughs> in these gigantic cosplays. And just, uh, everyone just, it, when they love the character and they just, they love you and they love meeting you. And you're just, you're such a joy. You're so just wonderful to people who are appreciating your character and appreciating you. And it's just, it's so lovely to see. Sonia, it's like, they give us our time, their time. Mm -hmm. That's a gift. They're like, I want to spend time with this project. Or if they're going to cosplay or do fan art, they're like, I'm mm -hmm. going to spend a lot of time doing this. Yeah. So we appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I love the idea. I was just gonna say, I love the idea of you. It's like it's like Darren and the Reinhardts. It's like your new band. <laughs> it's you and then all Reinhardts backup band. Like that Robert Palmer video, Addicted to Love, but it's you and then all just Reinhardts. Not only like, a cover band for yeah. what? I don't know this hip music that all the kids are playing. <laughs> I just want like a like an old school like doo-wop band. You get some snaps going. It's all Reinhardts. Oh, see, but that'd be fun. Like, you know, doodly doo doo doo. Yeah. Hey, look, Vic going down the street. Where's the Reinhardt? Oh, life is sweet. Cause where's the Reinhardt? Do doodly do. Dee dee dee. Something that rhymes with street. Hey. hey. Oh, <laughs> Someone God. make this happen immediately. Please. They're like, oh, is this little man with his pocket square doing this large <laughs> German person? I mean, you know, speaking of pocket square, you are always so well dressed, and I had to compliment you on that purple because that hey. purple is striking. Thank yeah. you. White suit, purple tie. Yeah, look, you look great. White suit, purple tie. I used to watch Steve Martin when I was growing up. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> I oh saw him. Now, this is this is aging me. Um, growing up in Florida, uh, people would come through. Sonny and Cher came through, and he was the opening act. Whoa. Because oh, wow. he was a writer on their show. And we didn't know. It was like this guy and it did this wonderful bit about a bouncing baby rabbit. And I always remembered that. And then he did it in his bit and went, Oh my gosh, <laughs> we saw Steve Martin, you know, early days. It's all those influences that you have that you don't know. I mean, you know, listening to Python records forever, I think informed timing of certain, you know, characters for comedy. Mm. Wow. Yeah, I mean, and that, it's it's interesting because it's like, you know, we, we talk to a lot of creative people and they talk about being a sponge and they talk about like, I, here are all my influences and now I'm, I'm spitting this out. And, and what would you say early on, what were, what were some of your earliest influences that kind of put you uh, on this track and got you, got you into this world? Peter Sellers. Oh, mm. my God. oh yeah. The oh, greatest, yeah. I, I mean, you know, and again, it was, you know, I'm old. So I was growing up and he played a lot classic. of Classic. You're classic, not old. I'm old Thank also. you. I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> Valcorio. Yeah, I'll just go through, you know, all Please. the characters that I do one day. Please. <laughs> but, yeah, it was that. It was being able to play lots of, of parts and, and seeing him go through it. I, I just loved Peter Sellers. And then when Python started, that was huge for me. You're, when you're doing voices, when you're in – 
you know, trying to become this character, what mm-hmm. are some what are some tricks you found that really take you to the next level that you found kind of even through experience or through just like repetition and doing it and doing it? Do you have any any tricks either by preparation or when you're actually in the in the recording doing it? It's going in and being ready for anything. I mean, I I did improv in the 80s, so it's like, you know, again, being in a world of yes. So it's like, what's going to happen? Be open for anything and be in the moment. It's, Psychonauts 2 just came out, and I mm-hmm. play a million roles in that, and it's always, okay, here's your main guy, but we're going to pick up, okay, it's a, it's a bookworm. We don't know how he looks. Let's play it, but let's not play your typical, you know, smart guy. Let's go for something else. Mm-hmm. And you'll give different voices. You're just up for anything. Um, when I was doing uh, Destiny 2, Emperor Callus in Destiny 2, the voice director said, like in the very first session, I imagine him like Caligula, but every line he's stirring a drink with his finger. Whoa, that's next, You know, that creepy thing of that. <laughs> you know, grow fat from strength. And you're just, you know, languishing on the words mm-hmm. because that guy's not in a hurry. Right. Like, uh, what was it? In, in Doom, um, Samuel Hayden. Oh. So I just love that because I think the when they were auditioning, they said, think Jeff Bridges in Iron Man. Whoa. And I good. just started to do just serious. But then there was a line that was like fusion and fission and M theory. So it was that M theory that you went, oh, I think that's him. But there was a line that people liked because I held on to a word and it was about let's try to resolve this situation. And I'm going, well, that's him. He thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. He's not going to go, let's try to resolve this situation. Right. It's, look, I'm talking to you slowly so you can understand. You know, that thing. <laughs> yeah, the that, ar- the arrogance yeah. of, uh-huh. of, yeah, of, of higher intelligence. Yeah, because he, he's a robot. He's an evil robot. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, I love that, though. Like, finding a way into a character is great. And, like, hearing, like, a Bill Hader or these people kind of talk about how they find their way into a celebrity voice, which is obviously much different because that person exists so they can mm-hmm. watch tape. But for you, you're creating... Well, his vocal posture, too. You know that you're going to – I mean, Hayden was up and back, and then when you're doing Revenant, it's more in the back of the throat saying that thing. Because when uh, Revenant was like I, – I thought of Jonathan Banks because one of the lines in the audition was, I've seen the other side. There's nothing. You're nothing. And I went, oh, it's like Mike Ehrmantraut would just be a man of few words going, yeah, you don't impress me. You know, that thing instead of where Hayden would go, yes, you do not impress me. You know, Mm -hmm. he's not going to do the contraction. It's just that kind of stuff that. Putting the special sauce on it. Yeah. And something I find so interesting, too, especially in the gaming space and going for gaming auditions or anything, Mm -hmm. is more often than not, you're going in so blind off of a code name, off of a game that you have no idea, you have no character visualization, you have not, you have nothing almost that you're working off of. Sometimes you do get a picture and that helps. Oh, that's super handy. Yeah. Because tone is so important. Mm-hmm. You know that something like Overwatch is going to be different than Apex, is going to be different than Final Fantasy. Everyone mm-hmm. has their own tone. Yeah. And if you're doing a big over-the-top joyful thing, it it might be a great choice, but it's not going to fit in that world. Yeah. So it's that thing of of playing together when you're all apart. It's the director knowing, going, Mm-mm, tone is wrong, you know, dial it back a bit, yeah. right. which is great. Again, another thing about collaboration. That's what we collaborate. I love the idea of you getting a picture of the character and you're like, you guys use my nose, WTF. <laughs> well, it was like Reinhardt, I, I, I did not know because it was a code name and I had no idea. And I, I did it very, very serious because they give you like six lines with different things of the character. And I thought of my dad because my dad is Russian but lived in, in Germany for a long time. So I had a very interesting way of talking. And I, and I did it very, very, very serious. And I got the call back, and they said, okay, it's between you and somebody else. <laughs> Don't do oh, that to me. No pressure. And no pressure. they're like, think of him as, you know, the, the, the biggest guy in the beer hall. It's this. Everybody wants to be with him and hear his stories, and he's over the top. But the six lines that they gave me didn't quite do that. Mm. And I did something that I have never done before or since. I wrote a monologue using those six lines. I'm like, I'm going to link it. 
and I'm going to make this character alive. Now, I will either get this character or they will never use me again because I didn't <laughs> honor the writing. You know, it's like that was really cute, but you're not the writer. And it it worked out. It, wow. it did work out. But it's that was a chance that I don't think I would ever, ever do that again. <laughs> a very calculated risk, but very, yeah. very high reward. Yeah. yeah. And I was still, it was kind of early. You know, I, I'd only, because I've only really been here for eight years doing this. Um and I, I was kind of new going, well, let's see. They sort of know my work. If I'm wrong, they'll tell me. Yeah. The first one I did was Gil Grunt in Skylanders, but I was in New York and had to fly to L.A. Wow. Because they recorded here. So it's like we have a session. So you, they don't pay you. They're like, you got to get on a plane. Yeah. And, you know, and I was like, I love this. This works for me. And That's I so asked nice. my wife, I was like, do you think we could we could do it? Take a and, chance. Yeah, and she was up for it. And then she started uh. to get work on television here. And she's done a couple games as well, uh, video games. So, Oh, my God. Oh, that's so exciting. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's yeah. crazy. And you say, you, know, you say that you're, uh, you're relatively new here. I'd say eight years is pretty uh, – yeah, you're pretty, th- pretty thick in the game. But even before doing uh, voice acting for uh, video games, you've been in the theater world Yes. For for a while, and you've had so much like a rich history in all sorts of different entertainment and being on stage. What were I guess the biggest differences going from you know acting on stage and doing Broadway um, and that kind of performing versus uh, getting into the voice acting world? Well, it's all acting. I mean, you got to be open for anything. You know, when I did Grinch on Broadway, the stage door was by the dumpsters. So hey, <laughs> you know. It, it, <laughs> it was the St. James where they did the producers, you know, later on. And they go, oh, I'm on Broadway. Oh, my goodness. The glamour. Oh, yes. there's garbage here. You know? <laughs> and, I, you know, you're like, my dressing room was on the sixth floor. So you're walking up six flights of step. Now, I was playing the glorious part in this play, uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, a musical version, of Grandpa Who, who was sort of like Grandpa Aww. Simpson in a lot of ways. Now, I had clown shoes. And I got to walk up six, six flights. Oh. I had a special fat suit to look like a who. They're like, okay, so you can't sit down. Once we zip you Whoa. in the suit, we have a place for you to lean. Oh, no. Whoa. It's a 90-minute show. Most Broadway shows you do eight a week. We did 15 because it was <gasps> holiday and it was short. So once you go, oh my God. You're, you're in. in it. And it's committing to every single performance because every performance is somebody's first time. So you bring right. that into the vocal booth. Wow. It's like every time I get in the booth, it's about joy because this is a chance, again, to create. And somebody's going to spend time with this character and really get attached to it or really, you know, not like it. And it becomes an antagonist and they want to, you know, I'm, I am I want to play that, you know, see that villain get his comeuppance. Yeah. So it's that thing. It's just learning to be in the moment and commit and always be joyful and grateful. Aww. You know, I, I do think there is this sense outside of show business that, oh my God, it's all lights and, you know, oh, but it, it it's funny about the, you know, the clown shoes and the the giant fat suit because it, it I, I think that's always how it is. I did a great show off Broadway and it was like, I was doing a show off, well, it's off, off Broadway. And then I was doing like Dylan Thomas's Child Christmas in Wales in New Jersey. So I was going back and forth, back and forth. Great, great musical. The play was called A Bush Carol. It was a Christmas carol for George Bush. I played Barbara Bush. Love it. I had the best scene in the show. It was fabulous. I it was a crazy, crazy. We were like a little little hot show for a hot minute. <laughs> Everybody was coming down to the village to watch a Bush Carol, and I came out as Barbara Bush. Now, I had one big scene and then the end of the play. So we're in a small theater. My place to wait was sitting on the toilet in the restroom. Great. You know, so I'm dressed like Barbara Bush sitting on the toilet going, the glamour, <laughs> the glamour. You know, and then you come out for your curtain call. And it was like, wait, that, that was so funny. It's wonderful. What a, and you're you know. like, back to my green room, I guess. Yeah. That is yeah. so perfect. Tillamook Chocolate Collection Ice Cream is a total chocolate game changer. We start with unbelievably creamy dark chocolate ice cream. Then we add different chocolate treats, like chocolate cookies, chocolate cake, or chocolate brownies to make four decadent chocolate flavors. Because sometimes the thing that pairs best with chocolate (laughs) is more chocolate. Tillamook Chocolate Collection Ice Cream. Extraordinary Dairy. 
Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Now, as a kid, mm-hmm. were you class clown? Were you always like doing voices? Were you always, or what were you like as a, as a child? What were you doing? Were, did you always were you always like this, or did you change at some point? With my family, yes, but no, I was intensely shy. Uh, you know, one of those didn't have friends, read a lot. Um, I was a huge, huge fan of like Planet of the Apes, so I would draw different version, like fan art, my versions of Planet Apes over and over and over again. So I'd have a whole village of it. And it was about, you know, creating an artistic stuff. Yeah. And we had horses, so I would go ride horses and, and muck out the stalls and take care of horses. And then I'd go do theater, but I was pretty private. I, I didn't, you know, I wasn't really social. Yeah. And then I think someone, I, I got to do a play at my sister's, like, all-girls Catholic school. And People thought I was good. And I went, oh, let me try this. It was Annie, get your gun. And uh, <laughs> it was great, you know, and it was great. I'm like, oh, wow, this is really, really cool. And that started my love of theater because I was going to be a vet. I was like, I want to, you know, I wanted to be a, a primatologist and work in Borneo, like oh, you know, at the Yerkes, studying orangutans. And I was like, you know, little Darren, that's what I thought I was going to do. Wow. It's a, a little different of a life path. Is there showers here? <laughs> you know? But that was sort of what I planned. And but no, no, I was not the class clown at all. I'm still pretty quiet. It was it, Charles Nelson Riley would always go. His mom said, "Save it for the stage. Mm. You know, don't mm-hmm. waste your energy. Listen, observe. You know, focus." Yeah, I've always done that. I'm very, very quiet in sessions. You know, you say hi, 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 and then you kind of become a machine. Yeah, and you do. You make that character live, but it's not like. You're going to riff as them. Right. Because that could take you out of the zone. Yeah. That's that's amazing. So it's it's crazy pants McGee. But, <laughs> but you have to be open to it. Yeah. And it, but it's so it's led me to very different roles. Uh, so I'm Jay Jonah Jameson in the Insomniac Spider-Man games, also with uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales. They are both threats and menaces. I'm also Reinhardt in the <laughs> Overwatch. I'm Adnizunia in Final Fantasy XV. Uh, Hulk, Hulk smash in Avengers. And Escherum in I Halo Infinite coming soon. And not only are you Eshram in uh, Halo Infinite, but you are Eshram. On ways. Yes, they did that. <laughs> that was, and my wife and I downloaded it, and we took a little drive, and it was so fun to go. At the next light, turn right. <laughs> At the roundabout, keep left to victory. You know, <laughs> and we're we're going. How did this happen? This is so cool. Yeah. What was the what was the process like? Uh, you know, getting into Halo Infinite. Oh, okay. Uh, that was very interesting. I had worked on a Batman Arkham game for six months. I was the voice of the Penguin, and I was really, really, really excited. Uh, that was like one of my goals. Oh, I get to do a Batman villain. This is super cool. As you may know, that game was canceled mm. after we had worked on it. Done. And I was really kind of heartbroken. Ugh. And it was another little character I did, a side character, KG Beast. Who's a oh, yeah. Really, yeah, you know KG Beast. So yeah. I did Penguin and KG Beast. The writer on that... You know, Paul was like, called the agent and went, I have this character I want Darren to play on Halo Infinite. This is, you know, three, four years later. And we want him to audition because we have to convince everybody of this is the choice. We know, but we need mm-hmm. to yeah. convince other people. Because it was going to be full performance capture. I had never done performance capture before. Wow. Ooh, and so, it, but it was a vocal audition. And it was doing that, you know, that, that creature voice that I do, but finding his humanity uh, in, you know, try to make it different from your typical brute in Halo. Yeah. It's like, how do you make it unique? And we'll see. There's, you know, I don't want to spoil anything. It's really cool. Don't spoil it. Don't spoil it. It's really cool. I will say, you know, in terms of like 
small differences. One thing that was so cool to see when you were going through those voices Mm -hmm. when you're performing them is how your face and your posture changed. And for people at, at home listening, like it was as if Darren put on a costume, mm-hmm. like physically. In microseconds. Like, in microseconds, <laughs> like the way you switch. And it's interesting because it's like some of those voices, you know, are extremely, there are differences and it's like, but they're completely different voices. Yeah. And that's the mind blowing part to me. It's like watching from this side, it's like watching an athlete do an amazing I mean, honestly, like a magic trick, like seeing an athlete do a thing, the physicality of it is absolutely mind-blowing. And when you're in these sessions, I mean, it must be as draining as wearing clown shoes and a giant suit. I <laughs> mean, a lot. you're giving so much yeah. out. Um, and again, how do you, what do you do to maintain? Like, what do you do to maintain your voice? How do you kind of keep in acting shape from day to day? Well, that's a hard one to answer because we're auditioning all the time. Yeah. You know, you come mm-hmm. home from a session and your inbox from your agent is like this, 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 and yeah. a lot of ASCPs. And sometimes you're toast. You try not to be toast, but sometimes you're toast. Um, but uh, uh, Nimjom Pepakoa is a magic elixir. It is loquat syrup. And it's Whoa. in a lot of the studios here. If you don't know it, it really helps you. For a second, I thought you were like, you were telling you're me about a, a spell. A oh, Harry Potter. Yeah. Yes, you're a wizard, Harry. <laughs> John Paper Coa! It, it's this loquat syrup that you can get, and they're in almost every studio now. So you can put it in tea, or you can just drink it straight, and it'll coat your throat. Oh it'll protect you for creature sessions. Because, yes, have I gotten hurt? Yes. If I'm, like, tightening here, I know it's a, it's a it's not a visual medium right yeah, now. Yeah, but, but in the throat. In the throat. If you keep it open... I guess from doing musicals, you're like, keep it open and you'll be okay. The minute you're like, ah, ah, you're gonna hurt yourself. Mm. I was working on uh, Reinhardt, and we know that Overwatch 2 is a thing, so it's not spoiling anything. No. And had a session, and the guy that was editing him texted me and went, after this wonderful session, was like, are you okay? Oh. <laughs> you know, because... It was, you know, you were you were doing some stuff. Mm-hmm. Some, some, he's not a he's not a quiet guy. <laughs> it's a big it's performance. About, yes, about that joy, and you're going for like you know four hours. A normal session is four hours. Um, when I got Valcorion in Star Wars: The Old Republic, I had done an eight-hour session. It was my like first looping session um, for the Warcraft movie that they just cast me in doing orcs, and they beat us from <sighs> here to. The wow. Tootski. It hurt. It wasn't a, you know, wasn't through Blizzard. It was through the company and the guy. Get more animals. Just no, 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 doesn't sound right. And I came home. My voice was toast because I was like going for it. I'm like, mm. this is my first thing. And this audition came in unmarked, beautiful monologue. They said, you know, think of Tywin Lannister from from Game of Thrones. And my voice was gone, but oh. I had that, yes. that low, deep gravel. And they went, is this you? Or are you putting on, you know, a processor? <laughs> and I got, you know, that was like a part that went on for three years because of having nothing and then trying to eke it out Unreal. and do this beautiful, because it was, I remember the monologue was like, a man can have anything, you know, if he is willing to sacrifice. And just the gravel added something to it, to to the emperor. And I love that character. Everything just in your entire journey between, um, you know, Broadway and theater, just everything, it gives you such a special sauce that you really bring into these characters uh, when you bring them to life. And it's, it is, it's so special. Well, because I mean, but I was, I was a gamer. I mean, I was on the road with Little Shop of Horrors after Broadway for two years. And that's what you do. You just go on the road. So yeah. I, and the first year I was the understudy for Mushnick. So you don't do anything. So I played games and the guy who understudied Seymour and the dentist, he was a big Halo fan. So we'd play Halo or I would oh, play so Old Republic. And I was big into like Baldur's Gate. But it's like, so you're sitting backstage. You've watched the show a million times. You know, you're ready to go on. So let's game. You yeah. know, let's have this experience. Yeah. 
I just have this image of you, you and the person playing uh, the dentist just on toilets, just sitting up because <laughs> there's no other place to sit playing Halo on toilets. Those were some, oh, now see, when you're doing a national tour, you're playing the big house. Hey. That was nice. Well, that sitting on like, a toilet by choice then. By choice. <laughs> yes. By comfort and familiarity. Comfort, yes. Yes. Definitely. It's like I'm back to my roots. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, those were those great years and then learning about games and you know, I, I love listening to your podcast and, and hearing everybody's experiences because that's what goes into make a good game. It's something different that's going to appeal to a certain someone that you didn't even expect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and even like, you know, video games, and I'm not saying anything any of us already don't know, but again, like the fact in the, in even the last few years, they've just become this explosion, honestly, larger than film in my eyes. I mean, I'm, I'm right now playing through Bioshock 2. And so I beat Bioshock 2 last night and I never beat it. And I'm welling up at the end and I'm welling up because I was, in this world and with these characters for so long. Mm -hmm. And that wouldn't have happened if it was just a movie, a two hour movie. And obviously movies, films, obviously I I cry all the time. So, uh, you know, uh, uh, films also make me, give me that sense too. But there is something that is so much more potent and it's just distilled because you are with much like a book, you know, you're yeah. with, you're mm-hmm. reading a book for three weeks or whatever it is. You're just in the heads of these characters forever, and that I think is just one of the many reasons why you know games are so, such a powerful storytelling experience. It, it, and it's going to get even deeper. Again, look at how far we've come in the eight years that that I've been doing this, and how it's changed. Oh my God! And each one, you know, and what's coming out is different. And yeah, there'll be some that are like, oh, it's an old favorite, and it's, just, but it's like, let's try. Mm-hmm. I hate to say it, but we are almost out of time. Oh, we get to talk about best and worst. Yes. Okay. Uh, What is your least favorite game? Okay. I I put some thought into this because I was like, well, what would, you know, what would justify it being my least favorite? Because it's just about experience. So it was back in New York on the Wii playing (laughs) Link or Zelda Twilight uh, Princess. It was a Link game. And I loved it. I loved it. I was mm-hmm. exploring all over the place. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, this is my kind of dungeon crawl. I love this. And I got a wolf and I'm riding a wolf. And then all of a sudden, I fell off a cliff into a river and got swept away after hours. And I'm like, well, I'll just restart. Restart. You fall off a cliff <laughs> with your wolf and you into the river, you get swept away oh. over and over. Oh, I lost everything. No. And I'm just like, that's like when you throw the controller going, I was having so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> Curse you, Twilight Princess. That's when the so nunchuck that, ends up on the other side of the yes. room. And- yeah, right. I remember that. I was like, oh, darn it, because I would have spent Hours on that game, living in that world. Or, or and there's also Toon Blast. My wife incessantly plays Toon Blast. She <laughs> loves it. And I'm like, Trump playing that Toon Blast. She loves that game. And favorite game, because I'm, again, dungeon crawlers. I love going off and exploring. Um, Baldur's Gate was a big one. You know, gathering somebody like, you know, Minsk and Boo that you would join your party and just randomly say stuff because it was an adventure. And who you would choose to go with you made a difference. Or, you know, Diablo, who you choose. Yes. And I love those games. I Yeah, I've played every character in Diablo 3. I've gone through the whole game playing both sexes, men, women, every playable character. Gone through the whole thing because oh. I'm dumb. I'm like, I want to experience it. What are their powers? How do I win this? How do I go through that? How yeah. do I, what are they going to say when they meet this character? What are they going to say when they meet that character? Oh, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah, and it's also like, get off the, play something else. <laughs> no, you, you love what you love. But that's yeah. what I love. That's, Did those you, are my... uh, so would you say over, like, overall with all the games that you've played and all the games that mm. you've invested time in, do you think that you've probably put the most hours into Diablo? Yeah. Yeah? <laughs> By far? No, hesi- no hesitation. No hesitation. Yeah, I, yeah, I can't. I, you know, every form of Diablo, because it was like, you know, and it'd be off in regional theater, and you're in housing, and you know your wife's not there, and you're kind of in the middle of nowhere, and it's like, well, just I'll go explore. Yeah, for hours and hours, because you're you're keyed up after a show, and it's like, well, time to explore and see what you know weapons I'm gonna get, and this and this. I have no friends. Leroy Jenkins, I enjoy this. Leroy Jenkins, let's go. Just take, <laughs> run into a room. Let's go. You UFOs. That's kind of. Yeah, I'm into it. I'm into it. I know that's the rush. And that's the thing. It's like like those like, again, 
I love those games because I get this crazy rush of like, let's go, man. And that's something again that sets games apart from from movies and all that. I mean, like I felt I felt a rush at, at, in Endgame when they're all gonna fight Thanos, but like, yeah. I get that every time when I'm like, you know. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, there's something about playing as Reinhardt because he's so loud and so Mm -hmm. big and what he can do. And sometimes you might feel unstoppable. Like, this is super cool. Or you want to play someone that's a little more tactical and be quiet. And you're like, well, I like to be sneaky. There's something for everyone. And that's why games are so immersive now. There really is. And it's, it's just a very special time, you know. And this was really special. Thank you for letting oh my God. Yammer on. and Thanks for joining. Pleasure was all So ours. nice to see you again. Utter, utter, utter joy. An absolute joy of a human being. I am so happy that we could chat with Darren. He's just, he's so wonderful. Yeah, I think we should have a dress code from now on. All suits. We wear suits, they wear suits. That's it. Yes. <laughs> exactly. That was amazing. Uh, yeah, that was unbelievable. And we're going to take a quick break to get into our suits, and we'll be right back. See you in a second. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Welcome back. So I got to ask, Blay, recently you, you mentioned that you were cleaning out your closet and you found something really exciting. You came across your 3DS. Yeah, my 3DS XL, actually. Uh, and it really made me need to find mine because I know that I had one deep in a closet, deep in a drawer or something like that. And not only did I find one 3DS, but I found two 3DS. Oh, let's go. Let's go. So I've literally, I mean, I wonder how well this is going to pick up, but I've just been going like, oh yeah, it's so satisfying. The click is so satisfying. Opening the 3DS, there are some clicks where it's best positioned. Mm-hmm. And it is, mm-hmm. it is very satisfying. And then you slam it shut. Slam it shut. I forgot how, like, heavy in a good way. Not heavy, solid. I forgot Mm -hmm. how solid the 3DS is. And that's it. Um, But the best part about finding both of these is that they both had games in them. Oh, love this. And games that I haven't played in so, so long. Love this. And uh, one of them being on, so I have a 3DS that's actually modded and I would love to find out where I got it modded. It was somewhere on the internet like years ago, but now I can actually stream with it, uh, which I'm really excited for. But this 3DS has, I don't know if you can see this on camera, but it is- Oh, Animal Crossing. An old Animal Crossing uh, new leaf cartridge, which I can't even imagine- where my villagers are <sighs> at now. And I feel I'm I'm having like that feeling where you had like um Tamagotchis like way back in the day. Oh, and then you yeah. forget about them and you go visit and they're covered in shit and they're sad and they're <laughs> you just feel awful. Yeah. I'm expecting to have that times 20 when I go and visit my my village for the first time in God knows how long. You've got game guilt. I do. Game guilt. Like I, I do that awful. too, where it's like I feel like game and the Tamagotchi example is so perfect because I feel exactly the same way. I like what is it called? Anthropomorphized games oh, where like yeah. I, I'm I feel like they're children I haven't talked to <laughs> in years. You're like, hey sweetie, I don't yeah. a while. Um even if by the way, like I think listener, listeners can also agree with this, which is like even if you have a game you've downloaded and you haven't opened it in a long time, you're like, oh right, this is where I was in this mm-hmm. game. Yep. All right, so you have two 3DSs. One has Animal Crossing in it, 
and you have a lot of game guilt about that Animal Crossing. What is the second 3DS have in it? So the second <laughs> 3DS, uh, ooh, which let me pop this out, has one of my. This is honestly one of besides the whole Street Pass thing. Anything that has to do with like. I don't know, just humans or anything like that. Really, it just makes me so excited. Any like sim kind of game. Uh, this is one of my favorite 3DS games. I don't know if you can read it, but it's called Tomodachi Life. I've never I even don't heard know of if game. you've ever heard of this game. It's oh my gosh, it's so good. Do you know what uh, like a Nintendo Me is? The little Me characters. Yes. So picture that, but you can fully customize them. And it's like a life simulation game where you have a whole bunch of me's that you've created and they live in an apartment building. And it's such like weird, odd, like comedy sort of, they've got these weird like text to speech voices that are super (laughs) strange and you can like go into their dreams (laughs) and it's all, it's so strange, but they can like have relationships and want to be friends with each other. And it's literally like the Sims, but um, with me's. And in like a, a strange apartment and you can like creep in on them and feed them and stuff like that. That's it's so wild. strange and it's so funny. And honestly, one of my favorite 3DS games. And, and say what the name is again. Uh, Tomodachi Life. Tomodachi Life. Wow. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. It's like, I don't know, like uh, Sims on Acid or something. It, yeah. It's the Sims on Acid. And then it's like having a Tamagotchi. You have to yeah. like keep you have to keep checking in on them and then they're all just, you know. I remember see that stuff really stresses me out. The persistent there's and there's a name for that and it, it it's I don't know what it is, but something like persistent gameplay where mm. where like um the game keeps going even when you're not playing it. So there's this zombie game called State of Decay. And uh they came out with a sequel and State of Decay Kind of like a bit different than normal zombie games because normal zombie games are like first person shooters or, you know, the whole thing is uh, uh, very action oriented. State of Decay was more like an open world resource management zombie game Mm. whereby you are, it's third person and you're in this world that's zombies. But the idea is to kind of create this like a base kind of like in a house or whatever and then find other survivors and add survivors and kind of keep yourself alive. And when it started, it was persistent gameplay, which I can't tell you how stressed out I was. I would leave work like (gasps) during the day. And Jen, don't tell our coworkers this and don't tell Conan this. No promises. This is not being recorded or anything. Right. (laughs) I would leave work during the day to drive home to turn on State of Decay because people would get killed. I would st- I would come home from a long day at work and be like, all right, I'm going to turn on State of Decay. And it would be like, Susie and Tom both got killed during the... N- and I'm like, oh my God, like Tom was the only guy who could fix vehicles. Now I'm fucked. Oh. Like, And then I actually, and I'm not proud of this, I actually did bring my PlayStation to work eventually. <laughs> and I put it in the digital studio and I would go over there like during lunch to check on how my survivors were doing. That's and then- so good. And then finally, they did change the game to make it not persistent, which is oh, the well, only way I stopped doing that, by the way. I would have kept doing that for the rest of my life. It was awful. Oh, my God. I I, told, I understand that entirely because it's very similar to having uh, like a Rust server or like a – I remember we had a whole Arc server. Um, we would play Arc and you have your base and it is like it's all online so people can just like jump in and raid your base and like destroy it when you're when you're not on. But it's always like the server is always going. Yeah. It's just a perpetual server. So people can just go and like mess with your stuff and steal your shit when you're not there. And if you're not there, yeah, you have to defend. You have to defend yourself. It's rough. I don't know about that. And they haven't had the Stardew Valley uh, zombie DLC yet, Jen. So I think we're not yet. Only a matter of time. Not yet. Honestly, I'm kind of surprised they haven't done it. I mean, there's like zombie like creatures down in the mines. Oh, you said that. And you you know what? People can't see this at home. But when you said that, you looked like I off into off. the distance. <laughs> Down in the mines. She's seen some shit. How far are you now? I'm on level like 100 of the mines. But as we were recording this about two minutes ago, my girlfriend texted me. <gasps> Hot update. She just said, <laughs> I just played a lot of Stardew this morning and I've made it to the bottom of the mine. <gasps> He beat me. Oh. How do you feel? What are you feeling right now? 
I I thought I would make it down first, but honestly, oh, it was like an unspoken competition between the both of us and the <laughs> fact that she just did it. Oh Damn. no. Wow. I I had the obsidian sword, so I thought I was going to get down there faster, but I'm so sorry, Jen. All she needed was the w- wooden mallet and she made it. It's fine. Oh my god, <laughs> you are really angry. She, <laughs> you, it's fine. It's you're fine. So it's fine. angry right now. It's, I mean, I'm not making light because I understand. Like, I get, mm-hmm. I get the video game thing. I get it. Like the rage and that stuff. But yeah, it's. I'm sorry for your loss. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Wow. My God. Sorry. Well, what? but what a hot update. Yeah. Wow. Now, do you, is there another? Is this the beginning of the end for you in Stardew Valley, or is there now another peak that you need to climb mm. that you feel like? She made it to the bottom of the mine first. Is there another thing that you feel like you want to do? First? Yeah, I'm going to complete the community center first. I'm going to get all the room unlocked in that. Hell yeah. Go. So I got to go. I got to go play. Here we go. Yeah, Jen's got to go. We got to wrap it up. <laughs> Let's pack it up for uh, for this week. Pack uh, it up. Thanks for joining us. If you want us to prescribe you a video game uh, or if you have a unsettled, unspoken beef that you're dealing with, please, please tell us a bit. You can talk about it. This is a safe place. Hashtag game beef. Oh, I don't know if I like that hashtag. Okay, let's not. Yeah, I resend that hashtag. <laughs> yeah, let's let's we're going to we're going to workshop that one. Uh, tweet at us at uh, hashtag GGNT or include it in a review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars, baby. And we will talk about it on the air. And we will see you next time. Good Game Nice Try is produced by Jen Samples and Nick Liao. Our executive producers are Joanna Solitaroff, Adam Sachs, and Jeff Ross. Engineering by Will Becton with engineering and sound design by Chester Guazda. Talent booking by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Britt Kahn. Special thanks to Lisa Berm and music by John Danik. Danik, 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 Danik. This has been a Team Coco production. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at tmobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com.